Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had Hello, North Bay Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. We have Matt Byrne on the board. We have Greg Pappas in studio. Good SP morning. Futures up 315. NASDAQ Futures down 15. So we're so right now we're not doing much after some for a huge rally last week. Uh, not exactly sure why, but we had a huge rally last week. Biggest one in a long time, and we'll see if we can hang on to that uh, this week. Hopefully we will. A little uh, bit of a grain rally, too. Yeah, a little bit of a grain Ooh, rally. these headphones we, sound nice. We somewhat had a, yeah, we got the new stuff for you. You know, we, we got only the best for you. Only the best. I'm excited. Yeah, so uh, what do you think of the ball game last night? The Miami came back, and I did some good, eh? I was uh, at German Fest. Uh, really? What time <laughs> did that go till? <laughs> German Fest lasted till I think, about 7 or so, 7.30, and then I went to Greek Fest after that. Well, the Greeks hang later than the than the Germans. That's just how it worked out for me. I actually got to spend double uh, double the time at the German fest. So six hours at the German fest, three hours at the Greek fest. And you're here. It shows you. So it must be nice to be only young, for yeah. you. Oh God, that would be the and the listeners. Yeah. Um, so uh, at an especially uh, violent. It was what three points though? I think it was. Oh uh, yeah, but yeah. they were uh, the, the guy came off the bench, Scott Robinson, and absolutely killed him. Third quarter, a Jokic. It's 18 points. He's a man among boys, and I'm thinking this one's probably over. And all of a sudden, this guy comes off the bench and starts winging him in, and they had no no uh, stop for him. He, a couple of times he went in, a couple of three-pointers. All of a sudden, the guy gets like nine points in a row. It's like Robinson. Bam. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they uh, seems like Miami has to work harder to win, but boy, both of those teams are really good. I can't get over how well-coached this Miami team is. I mean, the guy puts him – he started Kevin Love. <laughs> yeah. but he didn't even play the last two games in a – Kevin Love played like twenty minutes, and you know this, the rebounds were good, but the points were <laughs> no. But he, but he was he played good D. I mean, he he out, he was had a lot of assists. I mean, it's a pretty good outlet passes. I mean, he played really well. But Love, uh, yeah, his his impact was felt. Yeah, I don't know if he he definitely didn't play to his potential, but well, who's what what's potential? Well, you know, maybe five five or ten assists, twenty points. Yeah, well, I mean it's. They they had a lot of people going in and out trying to stop that Jokic. Yeah, I mean it was a t- took a gang to try and even try and stop the guy, which is hard to do. I mean he just he can do everything just pretty much. Um, so yeah, Lee. we had a so we had last week was the most violent Memorial Day weekend in about eight years. Now this week we had nine killed, thirty seven wounded. Brutal. Last year last yeah. year was seven and thirty one. Year before five and fifty nine. Wow. Then we had five and thirty-eight. Uh, we go back to uh, 2018, ten and thirty. So it's right up there. Ten and thirty, meaning ten, ten killed, thirty oh. wounded. That's a. Well, we had a seven lot on the. Where were we? 
A lot of did you see the police presence for the Taylor Swift concerts? Yeah, they're all here. I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean uh, uh, so everybody, forty eight hundred West Iowa in Austin, one o'clock in the morning on Sunday, seven people shot, one one lady, twenty five dead. Mm. If that was in, if that was in London, it would be worldwide news. Here we don't care. Par for the course. Par for the course. Fuller Park had that shooting too. That was, uh, I don't know. It was at least three, wasn't it? What? Where was that? Um, the same night. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Saturday was Sunday night. Was uh, Sunday morning. There were three lot at Forty Fourth and Princeton. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's, Fuller Park. Yeah, Fuller Park. Uh, but that's but on uh, on Saturday. This is the part that I think is catching a lot of people. We've got let's see, uh, six fifty a.m. We've got eleven fifty a.m. Two there in Inglewood. And those were murders. Uh, oh. one one and one. Eleven fifty-five a.m. and uh, now we got three fifteen p.m. So it's not all four in the morning on Sunday. Uh, and then there's that other one up by me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yikes. Yeah. It's uh. <clears throat> it's not getting better. No, but it's, you know I can't blame that on anything but the weather. Yeah, but it's the the chaos is unless you unless you're foolish enough to drive around like I do. The chaos is absolute mayhem. I, last night I'm driving, my brother lives in Evergreen Park. So I go to the expressway, I go down 99th Street, which is a residential street. Okay, So, of course, there's a bunch of stop signs, like there is in most residential streets. So two of us are stopped, this guy flies around us in a, in a vet, in the right, you know, and, and blows the stop sign. Ooh, what so, color? Uh, red with some black trim, I and mean, it was a custom deal. Nice. So he goes through... Is he a PTI customer? Oh God, no! I don't. We would want him. Um, no, no. He uh, so he goes Too through. Too risky. Uh, just, I bet you he sells naked straddles. I don't know if I can handle the, the, the what's the intrigue. I couldn't handle it. I, <laughs> I, I want people that are normal. The, Do you uh, think he's a straddle or a strangle well, trader? It gets better. He blows through, right? And uh, fortunately, he doesn't kill somebody. Um, it's really you know when you blow through a stop sign, everybody else is stopped. It's a little risky. So then. Some guy is pissed he's going fast. So he, he's mad he, this guy got ahead of him, so he blows through. Uh-oh. So then the, the Corvette guy gets the 99th of Vincennes. He, he's going a million miles an hour. He makes the red light. The guy in the other car is not going to make the red light at all. So but he probably, goes through anyway? Up at probably 60 miles an hour. Oh, my God. And, uh, and I'm thinking, what are the chances of these guys doing this three nights in a row and not either killing themselves or killing somebody? I mean, somehow they, somehow they get – I mean, I – there isn't a policeman anywhere. Well, they're busy doing they're busy. what we were talking yeah, about earlier at 4,800 uh, 4, well, West well, Iowa. There needs, there seven needs person to, we need a lot more, and we, we need to we need to tone the whatever the, the attitude is that nobody can ever get caught. That nobody will ever, nothing will ever happen. I mean, most people don't really need policemen hanging over your shoulder to to do what you're supposed to do. But there are mm. some people that do. Are we allowed to shoot out people's tires? Oh um, boy, you know, I wish I had. Uh, <laughs> Superman's vision, where I could just look at the tires and blowing out. <laughs> just saying. So now I have a question for you, and and, and and you know some of the more liberal the younger guys, like say Matt Byrne. Mm. There's a story in the in the way in that they find some guy in Lake County somewhere, and he's got a gun and he runs away from the cops. So they have a uh, uh, police dog. So the police dog races after him, finds the idiot hanging out in a dumpster. And he jumps out of the dumpster, and the the dog 
And he tries to take off, and the dog grabs his arm and bites his arm. So then they catch the guy. Now my question is, is the dog going to be brought up on, on abuse? And are, did the dog have a body cam? <laughs> uh, I, do, I think dogs don't have body cams yet. Or, 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 or nose cams or ear cams. <laughs> I don't think they have them yet. Is this guy going to sue the force because the dog bit him? No. And as soon as you run, I think if they let the dog go, that's that's like I, another I, officer. I you can't I mean, attack the dog either. No, all the rights are with the with the uh, the perpetrator these days. Yeah, I, I think I, mean, I think if you harm the dog, that that's similar to harming an officer. So I'm not. I don't know how it's going to go. We'll see. I want to. Be I, I believe the dog is considered to be a almost like an appendage. What? Of the of the uh, 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 officer, yeah. So, so the dog harm on them is harm on you know. Yeah, so the officer, officer. couldn't bite your arm. Yeah. <laughs> well, the officer can talk. The dog, <laughs> dog can't. Well, we don't want to give this like another minute here, but I, I have a, some people you know that are, you know, first of all, they probably aren't more liberal than I am in, in some ways, but I don't I don't get the idea. This is the part that really frosts me, and then we'll get away from it because I talk about it too much. I'm I'm stunned as as a as a mature man. I'm stunned at people's total lack of any sort of uh, uh, what's the word when you, you put yourself in somebody else's place? Empathy. Empathy. Yeah. There, there's no the only empathy is for the people that are doing the shooting. There's no empathy for the people who got killed. Mm. I mean, there this there there's no reason that somebody should shoot you. What whatever it takes to find the person who did it. That's, I don't, I don't, oh, seven people go down. It's, I mean, this poor lady in this thing, she's female, 25. She's somebody's daughter. She might be somebody's wife, somebody's yeah. friend. Nobody gives a, I, 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 I'm appalled by the, the, the total lack of outrage that is, that is around this. Or how can you become immune to something like this? Uh, repeated and, repeated exposure and just over and over again. Yet, if, if if we found the people from the in the car that sprayed these seven people with bullets, and we had a rat patrol jeep and we sprayed that car and nobody ever walked out of there again, everybody 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 be concerned about those guys and not the people they kill. I, this is this is totally screwed up, in my mind. I mean, I'm not I'm not for cruel and unusual punishment, but you got to get these people off the street for God's sake. I mean, yeah, where am I, I wrong here? I think it's how not. I yeah. wh- whatever you have to do. If it's the National Guard for three weeks, whatever you have to do, you got to do it. You, you got to so protect then it comes your people. Back after three mm-hmm. weeks, well, I mean, whatever. You, there's got to be fifty cars driving around the city every night looking for weakness. And if and if you take ten of them off the first week and ten off the second, maybe they get replaced. Maybe they don't. How about those drones or whatever? You, you know, know, I, I drone don't know dogs. We've got we've got nothing but cameras. All we don't want to catch these people somehow. We don't. We don't. We don't try. I mean, when Monty got his car stolen, I'm pretty sure that you know they know who it is. Well, they whatever just don't it is, have, I think yeah. you know it's not a surprise. When but Greg, there's something, something. What's the song? Are you something accusing hap- the police of being corrupt? Uh, somehow, some way, there there isn't a real budget. There isn't a real. I don't know if it's just the, the money. budget is pretty big budget. Well, somehow, some way, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Now, whether there's money behind it, whether there's there's money in the gangs, whether the alderman or somebody's made a community. Or, somehow, some way, no society puts up with this except ours. 
No, no, no. Where else in the world is this happening except like you know Venezuela or someplace? It's total chaos. No, I mean, where, where else is this close to two billion dollar budget for the CPD? Well, okay, but, but my point is, my my mind, when Monty got his car stolen, called the police. They didn't give a crap. No, no they're dealing with what the, the, their story is. They're always dealing with somebody else. My story is they got migrants living okay, in the stations what, what, now. My story is they never even saw the car. They never dusted it for fingerprints. I will bet you that if they would have dusted it for fingerprints, they would have found a fingerprint of somebody who's out on parole or someplace where they know right where he lives, and he went out and wanted afterward to go steal another car. And if they wanted to find some of these people, they would. They have no interest, none whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, it's, anyway, we got... Uh, Lightfoot's headed to Harvard, though. Oh, that's, isn't that special? There was, <laughs> isn't that special? There was a lot of uh, funny comments online about what class she's going to teach. <laughs> Oh, as a teacher. My yeah, God. she's going to be a professor. She's going to teach. And, uh, I thought she was a student or something going on. No, 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 oh, no, no. And <laughs> if you look at what she was going to teach. Yeah, you got it uh, down there. It's interesting. What is it? Was, well, no, I don't have it. But there look it was, up. It says. I'll find it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but there, all the comments you know, are stuff, stuff like destabilization of urban environments. <laughs> Deconstruction of economic prosperity, 315. All right, we got to talk some. We got to talk some trades here. Uh, the VIX is officially at a fifteen vol, which is as low as it's been in a while. Uh, I put a spread on. This is not investment advice because I'm sure the market will stop right here, and I won't make any money. We just it. look at what the charts say. You know? oh, okay, yeah. well, but I'm oh, saying real I'm, quick, she's teaching health policy and leadership. That's the name of the course. Health policy. Health policy health and policy. leadership. That's doesn't help if you're dead. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, are we, what are we talking about? Health policy. <laughs> what, because of the COVID? Yeah. Remember when she dressed up as like the syringe or <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Can we put that out? I'll yeah. find it. That'll get. That'll do it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> health policy. I'll find that. Hey, uh, Hold on, man. I got something. But what, explain to me, when, when you talk about investing, explain to me, Greg, as a younger investor, trader, why... Why you're whenever the market's at a usually at a, I won't say it's at a top it could, could double from there, when the market's very high, the price of insurance the, vol- the implied volatility of the put protection is usually at a low, and when markets are are way down to the point where they probably almost can't go any lower they're at a high. Right, so it's inverse relationship and it's just the uh, call it a fear indicator. So obviously as you go up um, at price. Sentiment follows price, so if you're underlying your S and P or whatever is going up, that means people are happier and happier. So you get happier and happier, you get less scared and less scared. You got more money, and so you don't necessarily want to buy insurance because you've already got money. But if you if you use a car insurance mandate and you went out and bought your Corvette and it's worth a hundred G. Your insurance would be cheaper on that day than when it's worth fifteen grand twenty well, your, years later. Your insurance is going down because your, or your insurance say on the car. If you drive, call it a couple years with no accidents, and your insurance goes down, it's cheap to buy insurance, and everybody's happy. But if you get an accident, then you start back over at zero. That's when the if the but market I mean, why starts should, going why should down. The, the SPYs are at four twenty eight, which are almost back to the old high. Uh, the SPYs are four twenty eight. Why should insurance be cheaper there than if it goes to three twenty eight? I believe that's how it is because of uh, human emotion. Right. 
So if the price goes up, everybody's happy. You know, why would we need insurance? The price is up yeah, here. We're going up every day. What do we need? Yeah, well, we don't need it. So that's why your VIX would go down and down. And you'd see people like uh, call it um, retail or call it whatever, but that means they're collecting less um, for downside protection. Right. I mean, I uh, well, I, the interesting phenomenon, of course, might have been pre-Greg, uh, 1987 crash, the lowest I've ever seen, there was no VIX at the time, the lowest I've ever seen the implied volatility was in that August of 87. It got down to like an 8 or a 9. And that's when they really discovered the skew, meaning insurance should get a little bit higher uh, just because going down is scarier than going up. So the put skew, meaning puts will normally be much more expensive uh, as you go farther out the curve, um, if that makes any sense. Actually, there is a reason for that, and the reason occurred, again, pre-Greg, uh, before 87. Well, I was, I was, I was alive. Okay, but I you wasn't trading. Trade. <laughs> no, you, you were a trade bubblegum things or something. Um, but the, bubblegum uh, cards, per like chance. I think yeah. I was pretty yeah. good at it. Yeah, well, probably. Uh, but what happened back before then, if you were a trader or a market maker, say, and a, and a stock was trading... Uh, you know, uh, let's say a hundred, and the the, the 80, 80, 80 puts were, you know, at at a half, and the seventy puts were like three eighths bid for whatever reason. You could buy the eighties for a half and sell the other ones twice for three eighths and put it on like one by two, and you'd end up, you know, you essentially take in a quarter, and really you were short all the way down for like twenty five points, right? So people would do that. There wasn't a problem with. They would just use the volatility and say the chance of the stock getting down to 70, the low strike, was like next to nothing. So there was no real problem with that. But then when the when the <clears throat> the crash happened and uh, <clears throat> stuff moved, you know, 20 percent one day. Yeah, 20 percent one day. Oops! All of a sudden, people started having unit problems. So you could. So you, <laughs> Funny how that works. Well, but you, but you <laughs> it matters matter. until it doesn't. Well, but then, but it worked for. When I say it worked, you never had a move like that. Right. I mean, you know, I had real issues during the crash, but the crash, when people say it moved 20%, that's, that's bull bleep, because actually it, it started moving the Wednesday before. The total move was probably 32%, 33 we were down, because we were down Wednesday, we were down Thursday, we went flying down on Friday, then we crashed on Monday. So it was, it was a four-day event, and yet if you were somebody like me who tries to be rational, after three days of this, you'd say to yourself, well, for God's sake, Eisenhower's heart attack, we were down 8%. When Reagan got shot, we were down like 7 When Kennedy got shot, it was uh, the biggest move ever after uh, 1929, which I think was, what, 17 18% on one day? Um, the biggest move after that, I think, was Eisenhower's heart attack. It was like 9 or 10%. Wow. Um, but, I mean, it was the, the idea of going 30% wasn't... <laughs> forgot to, it was like three times the biggest move ever, and plus there was no nineteen, you know, there was no nineteen twenty nine crash. But it, uh, I'm saying, when you look at this, that, that's what caused the skew. So as you went down, you know, actually the first time I, I saw the skew, and we're gonna go break here after eighty seven, um, was in commodities. When you yeah, first had skew I, to the upside, yeah, skew to the one. upside commodities. We come back, uh, we'll have John. Why don't you explain that a little bit, and then we'll. We'll head over to Jen, but please hang around. SP Futures up 2, NASDAQ Futures down 21. Again, I've, I think I've killed the movement in the market, at least before between now and Wednesday. We'll see if I have the power. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jackson. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. CognosHR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right Matt Byrne on the board, Greg, Greg Pappas in the studio. We should have Jan Flanagan with us as well. SP Futures up one and a quarter, NASDAQ Futures down 21. Um, my machine is uh, gagging here a hair. If it doesn't come out, there we go. The Dow Futures up 29. Uh, nothing moving. It's kind of a quiet Monday. Apple's up a buck 70. Uh, some of the other stuff. Met is down 233. These are the stocks that are going to take us, take us to the promised land. Uh, NVIDIA down 397. Wow, how can NVIDIA be down? This is, uh, this is bad. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 22, uh, 0.1%. FTSE up 40, 0.5%. Uh, the uh, Kakaran is down 6, and we had the, I guess the big news over the weekend, such as there was, was the big OPEC meeting, which everybody was all afraid of. Uh, <clears throat> they said they're going to have, what, a volunteer cut? But What the hell, what is a volunteer cut in a cartel? I mean, I, I don't know what that even means, but it means they had a lot of, uh, were they in Vienna again, Greg? Did they have a... All the, all the hookers and the bars in Vienna do well with these guys there. Is that how Sounds that good to me. Yeah, Nikkei up, Nikkei up six ninety three, two point two percent, three decade highs in the Nikkei. Uh, we got the Hang Seng up one fifty eight point eight percent, Shanghai up two, call that flat. Uh, and we've got over the U.S. Friday just to re- rekindle this great rally we had. The Dow was up seven oh one, S and P up sixty one, Nasdaq up one thirty nine. There is no 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 po- no possible problems into the future. Nothing like that. Uh, bonds, 10-year up 6 basis points, 3.75. Bund up 8 basis points, 2.39. Japan up 2 to 0.44. So 
Interest rates on the rise this morning. We've got oil of a buck forty-three, seventy-three, seventeen. That's a. I don't. Know, what would they have done if they had a, a real production cut? Uh, but still, it's not. Every time they have one of these meetings, we pop a little bit. It goes right back down. We'll see if it does that again. Ran up a buck forty, seventy-seven, fifty-three. Natural gas up five cents, two twenty-two. I can say categorically, Greg, that oil at seventy-three bucks was not the goal of these guys going to Vienna. I think they want it more like eighty-five or ninety, don't you? Well, maybe we refill the strategic. Pre- I don't think we did, but we'll mm. see. Oh. Gold down 13, 19.56. Silver down 23 cents, 23.51. Copper unchanged at 373. We've got Bitcoin, which has been pretty steady, but today it's down quite a bit. On 447, 26,770. It's been bouncing, what would you say, 26.5 to 27.6 for quite a while now. We have the U.S. dollar, which has been bumpy, is actually up a little today. Uh, that's one of the reasons why the gold stuff is down. We've got the euro down below 107 again, 106.8. We got the pound below 104 or 124 to 123.8. Matt, what do you got for us? Uh, traffic, weather, sports. Great ball game last night. But basketball, actually, two two good baseball games too. And we got both those covered. Yeah. Good morning. Currently 6:35 a.m. on June 5th, 2023. Uh, the weather this morning: Chicago, 55 degrees currently. A little bit of a chill in the air this morning. We're hitting a high of 80 degrees today, just around the three o'clock hour. Down in Arizona, though, a clear sky, 79 degrees currently, a high of 104 degrees later on, if you can believe it. Wow. Of course, in the MLB yesterday, Cubs won their game against the Padres, 7-1. White Sox beat Tigers, 6-2. And Diamondbacks won against Braves, 8-5. The NBA Finals, Game 2 last night, Miami Heat played Denver Nuggets. Miami beat Denver, 111-108. Game 3 set for Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. So for now, Chief, back to you. Hey, check and see what the odds are on everything. It started out at what, 5-1? to one? Something like that, yeah. I'll bet it's, it's probably still close to that, but it's... Uh, do we have Mr. Flanagan? We do indeed. John, how are you? Yes, indeed. Good morning to all. Uh, now, I can't give you any grief for not seeing you when I saw you the other night. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. That was a really good time. Yeah, uh, you, and, you and Dan Janitas were solving the problems of the world. Uh, and uh, <laughs> So what's, what's rumored this morning? You're coming out of... Uh, uh, courtroom retirement to represent the guy who got bit by the police dog. <laughs> I would hire that dog. Tom. What do you mean? It was it was he didn't he didn't have a uh, a nose cam on and he bit the guy. <laughs> Just to say it, but we're gonna have to either go t- towards a, a canine police force or a robotized one. I'm not sure which. The both. It's yeah. going to be dog police or dog. you know the robot dog. Just wait till they get guns. <laughs> The dog looks at the looks at the guy. The, the, the gun goes off. But you know, we, we, we'll probably get there. We'll, you know, who knows? I'm not kidding. They're going to put those guns on dogs. It's going to be over for like they they can run, jump. They'll take you out multiple different ways. If they won't, you know, ram you, they start shooting. I don't. I don't know why we don't have some uh, jeeps like in the Rat Patrol and the Ram and the Dan Ryan at night. Got to believe that those things are doing it uh, in the army already, and all they would have to do is flip the switch. Dangerous. Somebody should go watch a Star Wars movie and see all the robots, you know, advancing. They're better than the Star Wars movie already. You think R two D two could like traverse stairs? I'm talking about uh, the guys. The, the, guy. the biggest, biggest weakness. I'm talking about the infantry, not R two D two. The stormtroopers were actual people, though. Those aren't. Oh, all right. <laughs> those weren't robots. Well, they were dressed up as robots. They could have been robots. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> My inner nerd is just dying on the. 
Which, what, maybe it was Star Wars Two or whatever, where the where the whole, all the guys invaded. Were all, they were all. Uh, you mean Attack of the Clones, right? Whatever. Yeah. I mean, well, no, I, those I, were robots. I know the old number, not the new numbers. Okay. What the, what, what's the what's all the, the numbers ori- are wrong? The, what's the original one? Is now three, three, four, five. Oh, oh my oh, gosh! There's, there's, there's nine. There's ten. There's, yeah. there's so many. The, the, it's like the uh, Superman starts up or Batman starts up. You got you know the prequel. Yeah. You're talking about like a New Hope. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that was in 1977. It's episode four. I actually liked the one where Batman Begins. I thought that was the best one. Oh yeah, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was a good one. Yeah, when he uh, when they ended up having to, when he when he was in India in some monastery or something to start out. Yeah, you know, he, a bunch of that as well as the Dark Knight was filmed right here in Chicago. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We saw the uh, we came in one morning and saw the the car, the car still smoking. Oh wow! Yeah, and that yeah. famous uh, <laughs> that famous scene with the truck flip on LaSalle Street. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I took I go a there picture. Just for that scene. Yeah, I took a picture of one of the squad cars when it was by the courthouse here. Oh yeah, it yeah. said uh, Metropolis on it. It was awesome. Why? Wow. Uh, that's out of curiosity. Or, what? No, was it? Or that was Superman. Got wrong got film. Them, yeah. Why, why don't we have Mr. Flanagan, our Chicago historian? Hmm. Why don't we? Why don't we? We actually have the filming going on here of. Uh, Chicago Fire and Chicago PD and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Those three. You know, ER is not here anymore. Is Chicago Med here, Chad? I don't know. I mean, they. I have seen, I don't watch the shows regularly, but I've noticed on, on Chicago PD and Chicago Fire that there are distinctive Chicago intersections in the background that I can recognize. I know just where they you know, were filming, but not all of it is filmed here. I've seen some commentary that says, you know, in watching these shows, who knew that Chicago had so many pretzel wagons? Yeah, <laughs> Chicago has no pretzel wagons. <laughs> but on that show, it looks like it looks like Lower Manhattan. Here's a or fun, hot dog stands for Well, they use they use the bridge over Cermak uh, uh, Road over the river a lot. Mm. And the bar is modeled after uh, Lottie's. Their bar called Molly's, and that show where all the firefighters and the PD hang yep. out. That one's Lottie's. Really? Mm-hmm. Lottie's mm-hmm. is where. Lottie's is Barktown. Okay, because yeah. the one in a uh, crime story <clears throat> used to be the one on uh, North North. Well, Damon? it's Cortland. Yeah. It was on North Damon. Uh, they just changed the name of it. What the hell was it? It was uh, I don't know. It was right when you get off the expressway and you up on neighbor Damon towards uh, I'm in California, up to Horner Park. There was always a bar on the right. The orbit the orbit room was the one that they all hung out in a crime story. Yeah, Lottie's Lottie's. I mean, has been around. Long time. Why and, don't we? Uh, uh, Damon and maybe Cortland over there in a uh, fun time. I have a, 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 an investment question for you in, investor sorts. Don't buy a bar. Uh, no, I want my bar. <laughs> the, uh, well, back in, this, this is a long, long time ago. Uh, they started to film some stuff here in Chicago. I'm talking, God, I was, I don't even know, I was trading yet. Uh, and the, uh, there was a group. Because my cousin and I met with them because he was going to do some of the real estate work. Uh, there was a group, since they started to film some movies here, they actually have a sound stage, you know, some sound stages here in Chicago, and they were going to use the old International Amphitheater before they tore it down. And then uh, Oprah Studios was going to do that as well because for those of you that don't, don't, don't make me out to be an expert on this, but you like to do a lot of stuff on sound stages, and then, then you go outside and do stuff. But for a long period of time, there were movies here constantly being filmed. I mean, my my building at mm. 70 West here, and they used the lobby there like twice. Yeah. Downtown here for the Untouchables, yep. I can point out pretty much all the spots where they had uh, the over, where, where Billy's place, Orlando's, over mm-hmm. that building at, uh, it's the northeast corner of LaSalle and uh, Wells. In the Untouchables, 
the uh, freight elevator where they killed the guy and then put untouchable and blood on the wall. They killed the accountant, and uh, that was in that freight elevator. It's a good scene. Yeah, it was a great scene. And where they where they wung the guy off the the uh, the uh, roof and he landed in the car with the thing sticking out of him, <laughs> got impaled. That was that was off the Federal Reserve Building. And after that, what did they? Uh, Oprah moved into the West Loop. She was supposed to do took sound over, Yeah, and took over that uh, Harpo, I think. Yeah. Just Oprah backwards. And they did uh, the... Their network was Oprah Winfrey Network, and they did a lot of stuff out of there. And then McDonald's took over the site. But there's huge there's huge money in, in, in movies. I mean, with the extras and the people. If you've, if you've ever seen a... Uh, and we're going off the rails here, but for those of you... Matt, did you ever see planes, trains, and automobiles? Oh my gosh! Of course, I've actually I've been to the spot right near us, the 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 uh, train station. I yeah, believe it's LaSalle. LaSalle, yeah. LaSalle and yeah. Van Buren CTA. But yeah. uh, me, me and Andrew are big fans of the films. But so but we, the, we go there and we reenact the scenes. Well, the the, the actual <laughs> the train station is down. The train station is where the CBOE yeah, now is. That's right. Yeah. Well, whatever whatever you want to call the CBOE, abandoned billion now is. That used to be a train station, mm. where you could walk right through from the the CTA stop into the LaSalle Street Station. Oh, yeah. That's where the uh, Rock Island and the New York Central used to... Uh, that was their station, right, Jen? And yeah, uh, you can see it. It's, it's shown to great effect in Hitchcock's North by Northwest. Yeah. Um, mm. when, the, when the train arrives with Cary Grant and Eva Marie Saint into LaSalle Street Station, you got the announcers calling the stops for the trains to Peoria. I, I could go right back into that movie and think, oh, think yeah. of myself coming in and out of that station. It's just the way it was. Well, the the scene where John Candy's on the on the, the L platform, he's got no place to go on Christmas. Yeah. Well, if you look at the scene, he's got his overcoat on. It's gray as hell. There's snow on the on the on the platform, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that thing is was filmed because we had to come down for expiration Saturday. You know, back when you still did that, it had to be 98 in the shade. And the, the bar downstairs, Cuttins, which is long gone, actually opened just for. They had to be 15 trailers and stuff, and they had the thing. They had three things downstairs full of ice, and they were grinding the ice up. And they had this thing where, like, the, you know, you, put, you shove concrete to the second floor. They were doing that with the ice to make snow. Mm. And, of course, some guy is shoveling it because it's melting as quick as it got there. And that scene took, I think I, I, I left after watching for an hour, and I said it took eight hours on a Saturday, 98 degrees, to do that. That scene can't be, what, four minutes? Oh, my gosh, yeah. It's that, very that's short, how long it takes to do this stuff. It's so did you actually Worth get to it. see John Candy Worth or anything it. like that? I saw him walking around up there. I'd, wow. I actually, well, this, Jan can be our, our, our judge here. I was sort of part of a movie. If you're if you're ducked down in the back seat, are you part of a movie? I'm thinking no. Why not? Yeah. We uh, It was a Friday. We come out, and let's let's say we were very well served. And between uh, the well, the Board of Trade building and the insurance exchange, there's like a little street there, right? Like mm. uh, Federal? Yeah, or a financial. Financial, we're, financial. Yeah, we're between. Uh, yeah. If you walk out the Board of Trade toward the west, whatever that street is. So I walk out of uh, at the bar in the uh, insurance exchange, and I see all these old cars. You know, 1930s and something beautiful old cars. So this guy says to me, I said, hey, what kind of car? We start BS, and the guy goes, hey, you want to be in a movie? And I'm like, sure, <laughs> why not? <laughs> he goes, hop in the back seat. Well, hop in the back seat, and the thing has got the mohair seats. Remember those, Jen? Got it. Oh, it, was, it, was uh, like yeah. a, it was like a 39 Buick or something. The guy's telling me, yeah, you know, it's a classic car. I redid the whole thing and blah, blah, blah. And if ever you want to get, you know, some, some kudos for your car when you go to sell it, you want to have a, you know, a, a list of what movies and stuff you were in. Because people, there's a list of all these people that have these old cars. So if you do an old movie, 
they'll call you up and say, hey, we want we need to use your car. So there's about 10 of these things lined, lined up. It's a crummy night. It's kind of raining a little bit. Well, they're, they're filming in the uh, that hotel. It used to be a hotel just to the east of the SIBO. Then, then it became an office building. But it look, still looks kind of like an old hotel because that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Well, they tore all this, the uh, street lights and all that stuff down for the black and put these old old style street lights up. Instead of saying no parking, it says hack stand. You know, they, they redid it like if it was the 30s. Wow. <laughs> so when the guy's going to, they're filming a, a, uh, a shooting in the alley between this place in Bonavino. You know that crummy little alley there? You can't even get a car down? I think, yeah, Verdol- I think Verdoliak's I kid owns the alley or something. Anyway, some <laughs> long story. So so the, the whole idea was somebody's going to come out of the hotel and he's going to get blasted in the alley. And when they, they had a bunch of people in the old outfits, the floors, they wanted them walking by the alley because they were going to film it from the south. And, and the old cars going by the alley is a backdrop for this guy getting shot. We're, we're talking about a scene that couldn't be 30 seconds. So you got all the lights on the roofs, and he's got and it's raining, but but he has he wants it raining more. So they got these essentially sprinklers up on the roofs of the building. How, how much that cost to pour more water down? So so sure enough, the guy goes, "All right, we go around the black, and they're going to get the you know action." He goes, "All right, duck down back there." So I head down in the back seat where they couldn't see me, and all of a sudden you go by and you see some people walking. We drive by and pow 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 right. Then all of a sudden the director comes out. Ah, shit! <laughs> we that, that sucked. <laughs> we need we need more water, a little more light. So the, the guy, I give the guy my phone number. I said I'm going home. He calls me the next day and he goes, "We didn't get home to like four. This was like ten. Whoa. It was like six hours for this. Like I said, good movies are incredibly expensive. These guys do these things over and over again just to mm-hmm. get it done properly. It's really something. Yeah." I mean, I, recording the, the rain is hard too. Yeah, I was, I was involved once in a community theater production in, of singing in the rain, and uh, you know when it starts raining, messes. You've got all AV concerns. You've got yeah. uh, where the cameras are and all that other fun stuff. It mm. makes things you know exponentially more complicated. And, and Chief, what was the name of the movie that you were in? Uh, against the Mob or something like that. Against the Mob. Okay. I don't even know if that, I think it came out, but I don't think it was very. I don't think it was very good. <laughs> Debbie does Chicago. Yeah, Debbie does Chicago. No, I wasn't in that one. <laughs> but I, you know, just to get—I don't know how much they they paid the dude for the night, or, not, or maybe you don't even have to. Maybe maybe those guys will do it. The guys that are actually walking along, you know, the extra dudes. But you got to have somebody's got to get costumes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one of our old contributors, uh, Frank Fahey, his wife, she has, um, she used to be somebody who, who tracks down locations for movies. And Frank says she's got file cabinets that you know you couldn't duplicate. Like if somebody were to say, "Remember the movie Lincoln mm, that they filmed yeah. here?" I think they were working on the costumes and the locations. What three years before the thing started filming, Jen? Oh, I believe it. Yeah. But uh, this train station, that so they'll find some old train station in the middle of nowhere and say, "Okay, we're going to make that back up." He's going to give a little speech there. We're going to make it look like it's Peoria, you know, like in the in the 30s or something, or in the 30s, the 18 somethings, <laughs> yeah. um, and. They, they they actually people have books of every location. They know just the lobby what they want the lobby to look like. You say why would they pick this lobby and not another lobby? They do because that's what people do. It's a it's a fascinating industry. And when you have a, a city when you got I won't say one going all the time. If you film three four movies in Chicago in a year, Jan, that's big business. Mm. I, mean, I, I think I mean it's it's, it's just, I don't think anybody wants to come here now. Do you? No, well, you know, for years, under the first mayor, Daley, he he didn't want any part of this at all. 
So you can see Chicago, you know, as a live setting for movies up until about 1955 and 56. And then there's, you know, nothing really. Why, why would he not want you know, that? Unions love it. Everybody loves it. I, you know, I, I think it was just a, he was, he was kind of obsessed about the city's image. And he just felt that Hollywood was not going to be the best ambassador for the city. Because he knew the kind of movies that you know Chicago would be an interesting setting for. There'd be gangster movies and everything else. I don't think that, that appealed to Daly, and he may have been right. But it's interesting to go back and look before that because I just I just noticed the other day in the last Humphrey Bogart movie, uh, The Harder They Fall, you know about the boxing, you know profession. Mm. Uh, but there's a scene in Chicago, and of course they changed the name of the stadium to the Palace or something. But there's a neon sign in front of the Chicago Stadium. And the scenes downtown were, you know, this, this, you know, the guy, the, you know, boxer that they're trying to set up has gone off the reservation and he's trying to flee his handlers. And it's all these scenes around, you know, the Lakeshore Drive Bridge and the way the skyline in 1955 or 56 when this is filmed, it's, it's startling because you really see what kind of a small town Chicago looked like yeah. um, until this building explosion. But you know, it's, it's it was really you know a wonderful thing to see. This was done on site. This was not any kind of fake, you know, green screen stuff or anything. Greg, like Matt, what was the tallest building in Chicago in 1956? God, wasn't it, wasn't the Chicago Sears? Board of Trade? Eh. 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 Sears. Center. Sears wasn't built to 72. Eon oh, Center. Gosh. Eh. No, that was the same. Oh, time. that was yeah. Top of the rack, the Prudential. Top of the rack. Prudential building, the oh, restaurant up top was the top of the rack. Huh. Because what the Prudential was there, there were the Rock of Gibraltar was there was their thing, Jen? Yeah, that was the first building built in downtown Chicago since 1934. That's how little building was done in Chicago after the Depression, at least downtown anyway. Well, we well, the Prudential building was kind of like that broke the mold. So, well, then right at the same time, uh, damn near the same time, the first National Bank building, which is now whatever J.P. Morgan or something. Chase Tower, whatever. Is uh, that the Sears Tower and the Hancock Building all went up roughly the same time in the early seventies? Well, I do know with uh, the Board of Trade, the uh, statue at the top. I know it's probably a better known fact, but her face at the top, the statue at the very top, she doesn't have a face on because at the time, I believe, what time was that building put up? In the eighteen thirty-one, no, I think. Yeah. Oh, here it is, 1848. No, that was, that was the first that one. That was the first one. This yeah. new tower, it was, I think, but finished in the 30s. They didn't have any face on her because they didn't want to give her any detailing because no one would be up that high. Of course, now it's, you know, not even the tallest yeah. building on the block. Yeah, same. But the, uh, actually, you know, I, th- I think the uh, first national got started was in the 60s. My grandfather was still alive. He took me down there uh, when I was a kid. Yeah, they had that all cleared by about yeah. 1967 or 68. It went all the way down to the bedrock. It went all the way down to the bedrock. No, no buildings do anymore. Yeah. Anyway, John, uh, as a, I want to get a uh, traders, a Greg view, and maybe your view is what, what? I forget what crisis we were in, but uh, the market has gone down in the onion. Uh, well, I don't know if that thing's still even published. <laughs> One of the headlines was America desperately seeking another bubble, and I thought that <laughs> I, I remember the headline to today. What, what is it about now? I mean, it, it's always sort of been like this, but maybe it's because of the TV, it's because of business news all day long, and uh, everybody subscribes to these momentum trading things, and everybody, not as fast as the feed I get, uh, uh, my doc, Dr. J's feed, the, about everything that trades, when it trades, and 
whether it's on the bid or the offer. We don't, nobody has a feed like that. I don't think that you can get on TV. But uh, everybody, no matter what it is, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to accuse anybody, but when when the internet, you know, I the, think there's the AI bubble, but well, that's but I'm, just yeah, me. That's what I'm saying. No, I, I, I'm, I'll get to there. I'm saying when the internet started and we had all the stuff going on in 2000 the stuff was just going up and everybody would be telling you what the world was going to look like five years from now and that one out of a hundred people there including me could explain to you exactly what the internet is and what it does <laughs> except it was going to take over everything and then of course we got to well bitcoin there isn't somebody there was a huge craze there because it was going up everybody knew everything about it and the fact is nobody knows anything about it except maybe kevin or carl about what the actual stuff actually do it does, and then we had the cloud, right? And the cloud really is um, essentially buying computer time from somebody other than yourself. Mm. Uh, not that there isn't advantages to it. I mean, there clearly are uh, that you don't have to all go out and get servers because if you know your peak time of the year, you can rent the stuff from somebody else. It's a huge advance. And now there's AI. AI is going to do this, that, and the other thing, and nobody has a clue that what AI is actually AI is actually going to do and when. Yet doesn't matter. This stuff is moving. There's no difference between NVIDIA or Bitcoin or Cisco back in 2000. And what what causes people that are, I mean, I have a lot of clients from a lot of different, um, tell you what, re- retired doctors really like to chase this stuff. I mean, I, not not only to, retired doctors, yeah, retired everybody. Retired everybody. Uh, everybody with the pulse, you know, the fear of missing out. I can, I can give you stories. Uh, from people I know in the mortgage industry, not mentioning any names, that had people taking second mortgages on their house to buy Bitcoin because it was going up. Yeah, and if it was tulips, that would have been yeah, a tulip. same That's thing. just how we work. That's how. What 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 is what is the phenomenon there, Jen? Is it, is it a fear of missing out? I mean, there was a when uh, who's the guy who does the uh, did Major League Baseball and he did a Civil War. Tell us his name. Uh, Peter oh, Burns. Ken Burns. Ken Burns. He did one on the crash of '29, and he had a letter from a guy to his father and the guy's making money in the market every day because the market's going up since 1928 or whatever he writes a letter to his dad and he says uh, you know dad every every day that you that you work breaking your back for whatever you're making you're saving some money and blah 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 and you, you help me out and blah 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 he said but really you should just have your money work for you and you shouldn't have to just get yourself in the market and just sit back and watch it grow and uh, there's why, why do we continue with all the histories now? And I'm not saying you shouldn't be in the market, because obviously I do that for a living, and I think people should invest. But every one, every one of these times that there's this massive, maybe not this time, maybe, it's, maybe this is real stuff. Uh, every other time it's ended in some kind of a total disaster for people. Why, why do we keep doing this, where we don't care what we pay? We don't even, we don't even look at the numbers. I was with my, my judge attorney guys last week. Every one of them said, market's going up, I don't even look. I just know I'm making money in it. Well, do you ever think of maybe cutting back? Ah, no, man. Why should I do that? It's going up every day. Okay. What What makes very intelligent people think that there's something out there for nothing, Jen? There's a recklessness to all of these cycles, Tom. That shows it, it, it's it's the opposite of people being supremely confident in the way things are going. I think it shows just you know their kind of supreme desperation because there's so little you know opportunity elsewhere. To get what you want, you know, if, if that letter you were describing was, you know, you know, designed to get somebody away from the backbreaking job and into a way, of, you know, making money easily, that's that's the oldest dream in the book. But it's, you know, in in 
particular times it's got real power where people are pushed so hard and, and so many people have been left out of the gravy train uh, that they'll do anything to take a shot at you know making it better and they and it takes a, a certain kind of blindness to do that too because it always has ended up the same way it isn't like any of these people come out scot-free who, who went in there you know and maybe lost the most uh, in the process but I think it's desperation I think people we're, we live in desperate times now too I think you know by that I mean everybody is, is scratching to make a living really there's fewer and fewer honest ways of making a living and people are paying through the nose for just basic stuff, for food and shelter, um, way, way overpriced kind of stuff. And people, you know, see that the only way you can get ahead is by doing reckless things. And, you know, boy, I'll, I'll tell you, there's no opportunity missed for a lot of these people. Um, but I, I just uh, kind of chalk it up to how, how low we've sunk. And, and we will sink again sometime in the future to another low, probably. But it's, it's well, about human appetites that just can't get satisfied. And people then go off the rails thinking that they've got final the solution that has eluded their family for the last five generations. Well, do you know anybody just, Do you know anybody who, you know, I'm not talking about the 60s, everything in Mayberry and stuff, because obviously they didn't want to be sick in the 60s and a lot of, a lot of other problems going on. But the idea of working every week for 100 bucks living comfortably on 80 and saving 20 that that the only way you're going to get wealthy now for in most people's minds is to somehow invest in something buy a stock that's going to double or triple i mean the idea that you're going to make enough even if you're if you're making you know 200 grand as a family living in the in the in the burbs you're 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 spending 200 probably or, or 180 on education only because your taxes keep going up all the time. What's the debt per person now? I uh, think in the U.S. I'll, it's something like ninety thousand uh, or nine. You know what? I'll yeah. take that up on break. We get a little this here. How's this for a couple of uh, quotes? You pay that too. Uh, I call it. I call it panic to be afraid to sell at a profit lest an additional profit be lost. Right. The, pa- the panic which keeps people at roulette tables, the insidious propaganda against quitting a winner, the fear of being taunted by those who held on, all work together. Became not only a point of pride, but of civic duty not to sell, as if there was ever a buyer without a seller. It was in testimony in the 1929 crash in front of Congress. Is it, is it the same as today, or what? I mean, it's, I, it's always been the same. It's always kind of been lurking in the wings, Tom, when it comes to the forefront, when, when there's enough desperate people who sign on to this and just kind of, you know, you know they don't look back. They just are, are banking on it being, you know, a success story because they can't afford for it to be anything else. So they just delude themselves. Well, I had a uh, would-be client. We'll I've done right that here. before. Oh. One of my clients says, uh, my, my mother-in-law looking for a new broker, broker, and I'm going immediately, you know, sitting around, I don't know if I want to do this, right? And so I talked to her, very nice lady. She had nice investments, and then she says, she starts going through her list of stocks and gives me the, what do you think of this one? What do you think of that one? I said, you know, I'm kind of a, well, always been an index kind of guy, and I, I'm not that great on all these stocks. I mean, I never represented myself as being that, but if you have a concentration issue, I can teach you how to, or, or, or help you, you know, protect it, do something, we'll figure out how to get you more diversified. I mean, it, that's what I'm good at. And she says, well, see this stock here? It's a, uh, I forget what it was, J.P. Morgan or something. She goes, yeah, my broker really screwed me on that one. I go, well, how did he screw you? Well, you know, I had like 5,000 shares at, at 50, and uh, he told me I should lighten up, and now it's 60. <laughs> and I go, well, what about the stuff that, uh, that you know, you bought with it or whatever? It still was probably too big of your portfolio. It probably was the right advice. What do you mean it's 60? 
it's, and he told me to sell it at 50 and I'm going, I don't know if I want this client at all. And I'm going to say, what am I doing here? Because I mean, obviously no, nobody knows this one's going up, down, or whatever. I mean, you can say now we're all going up because it looks like it, but it, it, it's, it's really kind of crazy on this one. That's, right, that's, that's what you want to hear from your stockbroker. Lighten up, you old bag. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, I'll say that maybe take the other side here. I don't even think we're close. If, if you look at the rallies now, it's just in a few stocks. Yeah. You know, wait until all the other ones start heating up too. Well, that's one possibility. The other is that the ones are too high, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know. If we knew which was which, we'd be which, right? Which. Let's <laughs> be mm. futures up, down 50 cents. As if futures down 27. So quiet morning after the last few days, at least so far. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, "Sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays"? No, no, man. No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Welcome up, Big Stacks and Jacks. Tom Howie, 
Greg Pappas in the studio. We have Matt Byrne on the board. We have John Flanagan in the Zoom room. Um, you know, if, if Matt Byrne was here every day, John, we could give him the assignment because he would love it. Mm. We'd get him on the list of our Notre Dame guys as Dave Murphy goes through all his albums from start to finish. He's got like 5,000 albums. Encyclopedic every, knowledge. Yeah, encyclopedic knowledge. We would have, we, could, we could include Matt Byrne in that, and he'd have to come up with a, uh, he'd probably not have to, he'd love to, <laughs> come up with lead-ins based on those. What was, what was he up to yesterday? He's up to H, so he's doing Humble Pie was Friday or something? Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> we go I'd love that, yeah. The, uh, goes through all these guys. I mean, you got to go, got to get a little moody blues and a little those kinds of things, mm-hmm. the real, you know, intense kind of lyrics. Well, let's, let's start with Mondays, and uh, we'll go from there. Every every week, we'll do a new uh, a new album, I guess. In, in this theory, in, in, in this hypothetical oh. plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I don't think Dave's collection is hypothetical. It must take <laughs> up half a house. But Oh, my gosh. Wow. You know, we all actually had as many as Dave was uh, John, uh, what was his name, John, uh, or a guy from Arizona. He used to be on the show with us. I'll think of his last name in a second. John O'Neill? Yeah. Yeah. John had, uh, I mean, he was, uh, when the two ladies came here from, uh, to do the, what's the craziest concert in the summer? Um, Lollapalooza yeah. they came in to do that and turns out one of the uh, John was on the phone and all of a sudden I imagine me not talking they knew all this music I finally said you know what John why don't you just take this next half hour and he talked about music we had uh, for those who haven't been listening to the show forever I try and get this guy back on um, he was an attorney I don't know where Kathy found well she found him because her, her sister's best friends turns out the guy's wife well the guy was the uh the attorney for people down in Guantanamo because a few of the people down there it was the most amazing we should probably find that Matt and we should we should replay that interview mm. it was absolutely spectacular where he was talking about everybody would get on a plane in Washington and fly down to Guantanamo every was it two three months Jan and they'd hold the court yeah. down there the judge would go down and all the attorneys were on the same plane drinking <laughs> and uh, he was drafted to do this or asked axed uh, because he, you, you can't be a um, an attorney in a death penalty case until what you've done it before, Jen, or something. You got to yeah. assisted before. Yeah. Well, some of these these were death penalty cases for some of the people. Although I don't think we ever put anybody to death down there. But anyway, so he would fly down there. He said originally there wasn't even a bar, there wasn't even a place for you to stay. It was air conditioned, and it's brutal down there, evidently. Uh, so th- he went a couple more times, and he came back in. And he said, uh, "Well, we've got it figured out. There was only." I'm thinking, John, 25 or 30 people left down there. And uh, because nobody wanted them here, there were like five or six, maybe eight people that were real bad guys, right, that you would have wanted to try if you if you had any place to try them. But nobody even wanted to try them up here. And uh, they run them in this country. He said they had like 10 or 12 guys that they knew were totally innocent. They just were picked up on the block where they picked the other guys up. They weren't wanted by Interpol. And this is after how many years? Nobody wants these guys. Yet the place where they lived, they couldn't go back there because it all got blown up or something. Nobody wanted them here, even though they knew they never did anything to anybody. We couldn't send them here, and nobody else wanted them either. Oh, you might be wrong. They might really be a terrorist. So the dudes, I said, well, where are they? Do they, like, work at the place and, like, make some money? He goes, no, the only place for them is in their cell. I said, wait a minute. (laughs) We've got guys for 20 years where we know they did nothing wrong and they're still in a cell every night? Mm. And he goes, yeah. I said, well, do they lock it? He goes, oh, hell yeah. There's no other place for them. Janet, you think about some of the stuff we do in this country, you know, you're like, 
for God's sake, how, how could we ever do something like that? The guys that are guilty, yeah. But these other guys, why are they? Nobody wants them. They, 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 you, you couldn't plot with somebody here in, in Chicago or L.A. or something, you imagine? I mean, because you guys did nothing wrong because we thought you did and everybody thinks you might have. You can't, can't get out of jail. What the hell is that all about? Yeah, it's the opposite of what I saw in yesterday's Sun Times. I don't know if you saw the the announcement from the editor of the Sun Sun Times on page two in Sunday's paper um, that they've revised their policy for scrubbing news stories involving offenders, for you know not not felony offenders, but you know kind of a very finely tuned list of offenses. Um, because they, they feel that this you know, affects people's ability to recover from imprisonment or fines or whatever. They can't get jobs or blacklisted in the job market. Um, and so they decided they're going to purge their you know, online edition of selected stories based on a review on a case-by-case basis so that these people are not haunted for the rest of their lives by their indiscretions or whatever stupid moves they've made in, in their past. And it, it tells you which offenses cannot you know, have stories scrubbed for and which ones they will consider scrubbing stories. But to me, it's kind of like, you know, it, it shows that eventually you're not going to have any way of verifying that something really happened. It's just you're going to tighten up the records in a way that people will go scot-free, and maybe they should go scot-free to some extent, but you won't even be able to find out what was newsworthy in the past, which you would, you would think is kind of a, a stupid move to make when you've got all the electronic resources we've got now for data storage and retrieval. You shouldn't lose any of this stuff, but, but it looks like they're willingly going to make it impossible to recover it. And it's the exact opposite of what happened to a lot of the people in Guantanamo. Where, you know, there was never a record to begin with, but the record is devastating enough to keep you, you know, in prison for 20 years. So I, I just find it's an ironic kind of twist to all of this that shows how easily manipulated we are and, and how hard it is going to be to reconstruct historically what actually happened. You know, oh, yeah. It's kind of, well, anyway, the, the quick ending to that story was one of the ladies that was here talking about the Lollapalooza was the guy's wife. And she's an attorney, too. I, I thought she was just she was just some lady who liked music. Turns out she, she's a big-time attorney that happens to love music. And, she, and it was a guy's wife. I never even knew that while she was in here. How, how crazy is that for the host? But she didn't want to talk about that anyway. She wanted to talk about music, so I guess it's surprise. A, yeah, I suppose then. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, we have this investment world going on. We have uh, the money doing what it's doing. We have this. Um, by the way, Greg. Uh, Something about never sleeps. Yeah, um, Greg demanded that I kick up my debt clock dot org page. The debt per citizen is ninety five thousand and forty bucks. Debt per taxpayer is two hundred forty eight thousand, and that's on the federal level. And the on the uh, and getting wider as we speak. Getting wider as we speak. By the way, your your job after they 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 passed this thing, since you guys came up with the forty seconds before a million dollars to see if it slowed during the last. Did week. anybody check me? No, why would you? You said you did it twice. Yeah, I did. Just wondering if any of the avid listeners are, you know. You ever see a movie where the guy gets all the. The money, the the hush money from somebody, and the guy gives him the briefcase full of money. The guy says, "Okay, thank you." And he says, "Aren't you going to count it?" And he says, "Well, did you count it?" He goes, "Yeah." Well, then why should we both count it? Right. You timed it. So why it's a circle of trust here. I'm glad we got it. Yeah. I mean, so why would uh, you know? Why would? I, I mean, know. it's possible that I make a mistake. Not likely, but no, not likely. <laughs> I mean, a guy who trades all day, you're not going to make a mistake on that. You but, stare at a computer screen too long. <laughs> you start thinking some weird things. 
But uh, Jan, what is? Why are we, uh, as you know, as a society, we're sort of. Uh, I mean, we talked a little bit about the you know violence in the city. We're we're totally in denial on how bad it is. I mean, totally in denial. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't think people have any. Or maybe we're in acceptance. Well, I mean, I I, I know pe- people on the, you know. I know well. People I know are all on the south side. I know people on the north side too. But there's people are that are in the. Don't worry about it, camp. Just make believe it doesn't even happen. Then there's people that said you're never getting me in the city. It's like there's like kind of like no middle ground. And I'm, I'm. I for one, I drive around a lot, especially we in the south side. Well, I, I just <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm very aware that now it's uh, during the day. I mean, years ago. Violence is mostly at night, but now it's during the day, uh, a lot of it, and it's going. It it happens at places that I drive by during the day, and so I mean I'm not, you know, I hope I'm not an idiot and just ignore that it's even possible. But I I know I when I stop at a light now, I give way more room between me and the car in front of me, and I always look even to the side where the curb is. That if I have to get out, can I go out that way over the sidewalk? I mean, I do just what they tell me to do in the, in the concealed carry classes. So, with your car, you could get out just about anywhere. Well, that's, that's <laughs> even if there's a car in the way. Well, that, that that's the truth. Hopefully, there's no gas leak, though. No. <laughs> anyway, that's there. There's a source subject he doesn't bring up. The, um, but no, I mean, we're 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 in denial on this this fiscal policy. We think after last week, people think that everything's okay because we can borrow more. And we're borrowing a million dollars a second, for God's sake. We're darn near, well, we're buying, we're, we're borrowing three hundred thousand dollars in forty seconds because for every million dollars we we no this is the whole debt I'm sorry 40, it, yeah no, this is the whole amount so we're actually forty mil or one million every forty seconds yeah and, and and what is what are we what are we talking about here that the uh, one million every forty seconds how many people are in the U S uh three hundred thirty million dollars three hundred thirty million something like that yeah. So that's uh, uh, you, what three dollars? Asking you shall hear. No. Three hundred thirty-four billion a million eight hundred twenty-six thousand oh forty-four forty-five. We just somebody just got born. We just hmm. went from forty-four to forty-five. Somebody got hatched somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's. I mean, we have the, the state now. The, the state and city. Do they think think they're going to continue to get this money from the federal the government? I mean, everything. I. I don't. What's What's the likelihood we get more money? Well, I mean, but where's nobody it ever thinks from? about that. <laughs> where's it gonna, but I mean, where's it? the same place where the last uh, thirty-one trillion came from? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean is it, but nobody. We're in denial on that. We're in denial that the that the city is losing population like there's no tomorrow. Matter of fact, one of the ladies uh, it can the, always get worse, though. Yeah, the, well, the lady who's the uh, Republican. Uh, I don't think she's the she's the a minority leader, in this, but she was talking about how. Uh, the budget looks good, except we keep losing people. We got to raise taxes. Well, f- well, Jan, how do you? How do you? So if, if everybody leaves but one person, that guy better have some dough. Yep. <laughs> Just saying. Or he could vote for whoever he wants at that point. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he'd be out. He'd be out. Uh, he'd be out. He'd out, be outnumbered by the politicians. How would that work? I mean, is, is there any sense of of? Uh, of reality here? Do we do we not even teach it? We just want to ignore it. What are we doing? No, and I I, I think you know nonpartisan elections, especially in big cities, is part of the problem. Tom, it's kind of an acceptance there that there really isn't going to be any light between any of these candidates when they run, you know, for from a political standpoint, because they're all pretty much 
you know, trying to run a bankrupt operation that nobody has any, you know, grasp or appreciation for running from a counter position. You know, maybe we should stop the spending. Maybe we shouldn't be a sanctuary city unless we can figure out how to pay for it and be humane about it. But let's let's do that before we decide we're going to be one. Um, but just just crazy stuff that people are, are sold on, and there's absolutely no pushback at an election that I can see, and there's no hope for one in the future in any big city. Well, John, give us the history, because um, I, I don't know the dates. I know I grew up in, uh, well, I say I'm from Chicago because I, I am. Uh, that's where I was when I was real young. and But then my most of my years were, were actually in Evergreen Park, where across the street was Chicago, believe it or not. We were on one side of the street was Evergreen Park, the other side was Chicago. So we had... Chicago streetlights, so I always felt like I was really in Chicago. Um, but Evergreen Park always was, and I don't know if this is this what I'm, that's what I'm asking you. Evergreen Park all, always was these non-denominational elections. Is that the right term, Greg? Uh, where you, you, the non-denominational. Same, well, I mean, it was, you, you <laughs> religious. Could, well, you couldn't run as a Republican or Democrat. And, and nonpartisan. I, nonpartisan. Whatever. <laughs> same thing. Because uh, I mean, politics is religion to most people anyway. So. The, uh, and not only that, John, you had to, uh, if you ran, you could be a mayor like 10 times in a row, but every time you ran, it was a different party. One year would be the good government party, the next year would be the better government party. You had, to, you had to come up with a new name of your party every year. What's the PTI party? Well, that would be the PTI. It would just be a, a, a booze fest over at Ceres. The, f- the free money party? <laughs> the free money party. Um, but so the city never was. The city was Democrat-Republican like most of our elections. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just trying to give the history of it. And all of a sudden, one year, and I can't even tell you the year, the city decided to go the other way, where everybody just runs. You don't even have to name a party. Your, your party's yourself, right? At least in Evergreen right. Park, the guys, the guys went out and named a party. Uh, and in Chicago, you just run as a name. And now you've got you know, 20 people run, and you can, you can essentially get in the runoff with damn near 100,000 votes in a city of 3 million people, and almost 3 million people, which is pretty absurd. And now we've got this new phenomenon. I guess my question is, how did it, how and why did it change, and what is every does everybody think this was an improvement or not? I, I don't know if it is or isn't. I think it was it was all, all just an attempt by the machine to hang on to power. But was because it mandated it, by the state? <clears throat> or I mean, what it was done by it, it was done at, at the state level, but it was a I'd have to go back and research it, Tom, because I I'm not sure you know how it applied to smaller municipalities earlier, and it did, and you know I I know that as you're saying. That there were nonpartisan elections in a lot of the suburban districts, you know, that this they, and they just created a name for a party for the upcoming election. It was a, always a coalition. It's like we don't need to have you know warfare between parties here. We're all on the same page, aren't we? So it was always cast in a way that the old political labels were not very useful. And a lot of these suburbs, you know, the smaller cities were, were very homogenous. There was no, you know, real political difference, you know, among the people living there. Uh, it's why they ended up where they did, why they stayed there, because they liked how things were. It was about keeping the status quo, and, and now you've got Chicago in that boat, where there, you know there used to be a viable Republican Party, even in, in my memory there was, and there were contested elections for mayor, and there were you know primaries to select candidates for each party, and you really saw just how many competing viewpoints there were among the residents of the city, even within the same ward. These were not that homogenous anymore. And yet they've been treated as if they all see things the same way, and maybe to some extent they do number-wise, but that's the reason they're hemorrhaging population too, because 
you know, what people have been backing ad nauseum, you know, for the last 20, 30 years has turned out to be such a failure that even the, the, the diehards can't stand it anymore. They have to get out. So that's um, unfortunate because it, it just shows that there's a lack of interest in people having any kind of debate about any of this stuff. It's all about keeping, you know, the powers that be in, in there. And, you know, we don't want any kind of dispute. We don't want anybody rocking the boat. I mean, look at the way the Democrats are treating Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s candidacy. He doesn't even exist. He's not even on the horizon. Yeah, but I think they're underestimating that. What do you think the best party name was? Uh, they were they were always something about good or better or best. And then you go, and after a few years, then you could use it again. I'm going to go with Bull Moose. I was going to say the Bull, Bull Moose. Moose. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it's real or not. Oh, yeah. Was. There yeah. was that. No, you I'm not really talking the, the party, but when he got shot, mm. he was like, supposedly you know it takes more than that to kill a bull moose and he just said it in front of everybody after he got shot oh you know there were a lot of people who were there and shot in milwaukee i think yeah this teddy Teddy roosevelt the 1912 election but there are a lot of people there who said it was fake i believe Um, it i mean i believe that it was fake it was all part of a script and then he was going to still and he finished his speech it takes more than a a bullet to kill a bull moose yeah (laughs) and then he insisted on being taken by train to Chicago to have the celebrated surgeon John Murphy was had a surgery at Mercy Hospital do a surgery. Well, you can't be shot too bad if you're going to just you know sit around the train station in Milwaukee waiting for the train and take the train down here. So there were hospitals in Milwaukee too. Yeah, so the whole thing was about you know maxing out the, the publicity and it, it kind of says it says a lot about Teddy Roosevelt's ego. <laughs> Nothing else. He was uh, so he had a lot of interesting uh, political. Some of which, you know, I certainly agree with. With the how, how you know companies get too big, they're a problem. I, I really do believe that. But he was one of the oddest creatures. I'll I say. I don't. I don't know if I could even be in the same room with the guy. But he was. He was a. He. Do you know anybody? Anybody know anybody who just likes to shoot things and stuff them? <laughs> There's a lot of people like yeah. that. Ooh. It's American pastime. Yeah. Nothing. He. By the time he was. I know he was a couple. A, he was a sickly kid. They got mm. heads all over the place. Um, yeah, you're looking down, staring down at you. But he, he, used, to, he, used, to, he used to go like <laughs> blast. They're not listening. But he would go blast Weird birds in his backyard and stuff the birds. Yeah. And, and they, so when he went down to the, uh, what was the, who did we invade? Was it Puerto Rico or someplace when he was in there? The oh, we went down to Cuba. Um, Cuba, yeah. The Rough Rider, whatever those guys. Spanish-American War, the Rough Rider. Right, yeah. But they said he, he he loved being on the battlefield. They couldn't get him oh. off. When everybody's dying and, and the... Wounded or moaning and screaming. He, it's a little bit different than he, today. He loved it. That he, he he thought this was great. Most people can't. Even well, this Army is before General. TV. You know, this is how he got his kicks. Well, it wasn't necessarily know, a lot of fun. It wasn't exactly his kicks. He just he liked it. Mm. I mean, he thought this was really great. I mean, most people would be like, "What do we just do?" And you read his speeches. You know, during the, the you know before the U.S. entered World War One, and. You know, Wilson was in there running on in the nineteen sixteen election on that he kept us out of war platform. Because Roosevelt was like gritting his teeth; he wanted war at any cost, even to the extent that he, he pushed his sons into going into battle. And he lost one son in World War One, mm-hmm. Quentin. I don't know if he ever you know reconciled what he had done or talked up. Um, he, he died shortly after the First World War, but he kind of became a victim of his own jingoism in a way. I think it's too bad. Well, yeah, it's, it was a good I, word. Yeah, well, that's a good one. But that that was uh, a college. What word. was the definition of that word? What party was it, was accused of being the jingos? What was it? 
What was that? I, I remember that history a little bit, John, but it's it's faded. What is? What were those guys? Well, it was you know my country first, a real you know hatred of foreigners. Um, okay, it was just you know, this this kind of um, and I mean it really grew out of the the Spanish American War and William Randolph Hearst's you know campaign to make a war and probably to you know have some kind of device planted on the battleship Maine that blew it up and we blamed it on the Spanish, which doesn't seem to hold water with everything. You know, it was a classic false flag kind of operation. But we went to war over it, and boy, you go back and read the newspapers during the Spanish-American War, you'd think it was you know, Armageddon or something, and it wasn't like that. Spain was a totally deflated monarchy at that point. It was an easy victory for us, and we got all this territorial expansion out of it. You're saying so it was we like... We got what? some good headlines, too. Yeah, was he, were you yeah saying lots it was of like... good headlines, lots of you know, recruiting, you know, and it's just, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a sorry chapter in U.S. The military and, and political. Was it as bad as the uh, the Nazis setting fire to the Reichstag and then the Reichstag? The, the same thing. Yeah, blame it on the same Jews. So, yeah. the, the communists and all the other bugaboos of the of the era, you know, uh, and it worked. Well, know? that was one of the the, the chapters in George Marshall's book regarding uh, Spanish America. He was he was alive. Well, that was when he was he was like a really young officer or something, and he said he remembered being that all the, you know they they couldn't wait to head off down there. It's a so, lot of people. Yeah, they head off down there, the, the troops on the ships, and, and all the, not all, but a real high percentage of the uh, fresh produce and all the stuff that landed was supposed to go with the troops didn't show up till after the troops were already gone. Mm. And that's why George Marshall was such a, I mean, was, was a master at uh, logistics because his, his idea always was, uh, I don't like to send anybody into warfare, but if I'm going to send them, they're going to have the right rifle, as many bullets as I could get them, the right grenades, the right amount of toilet paper, the right amount of chow. They were going to be the best equipped armies in the world. So they have the best chance of coming out of there in one piece was his was his shtick. They were, going to, they, they, they were going to try and give them the best intelligence, the best equipment, the best everything. I mean, it didn't always work. That's why Alexander was so successful. Yeah. The baggage yeah. trains. Yeah. I mean, we we can sure use George Marshall now. <laughs> well, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, but, you know, it's, it's funny that those guys were so stiff because uh, President Roosevelt said, called him George one day, and he said, sir, my name is General Marshall to you because that's our, that's our chain of command. You're Mr. President, I'm General Marshall. We're not George and Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, it's, it's scary that people would even... Correct the president. Yeah. So what's, uh, are you buying or selling? Uh, this, we got two minutes, Greg. Drought. Should I be buying corn and soybeans or no? Uh... Buying calls, maybe. You know, we've got seven to ten days worth of dry weather, maybe a little bit, but just in case, uh, you know, if you're not long the underlying, well, we've got maybe pick up a few few calls and hope for the best. Otherwise, you know. We got the second driest May on record. What if we followed up with just as dry as June? That would probably be a problem if, if you get past the first two weeks and there's not a lot of rain. That would start to affect yields, but right now, they're, it's still possible to have a great crop. Well, my tomatoes would be dead if I wasn't watering them. Just saying. Yeah, the the corn belt is is dry. It's not bad yet, but you know, food prices could could go up. I mean, they've come down a bunch. Beans and corn, probably about eighty or ninety percent planted now. Uh, last week was really good. So, if if it remains dry. That means, you know, we could have some problems, but 
right now, I mean, it's How did it's the wheat market dry. come in? Because they got the big pasta shortage over in Europe. Yeah, the, the wheat market, the hard red harvest is coming up, and there was a lot of issues. So I think and we stopped moving based on Ukraine, which is interesting also. Yeah. So the, the Russians are saying we want to export fertilizer and ammonia, and the Ukrainians are saying that we want to export, uh, you know, our, our crop or what they have left of it. And there's a fight in Turkey now because, you know, we're not, we're sanctioning Russia. And then Russia is saying, well, that's unfair. And so we're not going to let uh, Ukraine <laughs> export. So it's like a big uh, circle bleep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's not affecting as much. What you really want to watch, at least for here, for the food part, not the energy, but the food is, is the weather. Yeah, I would agree. Over the next, say, week and a half or two weeks, very important for yields. It's still entirely possible that we could go down farther because if you do get, a, uh, say, a few you know, good inches of rain, uh, that's great for the crops in, in these next couple weeks. Well, they're not seeing weeks. the next couple You see the reservoirs in Europe, Medit- in, around the Mediterranean countries, Spain and Italy, they're, they're, they're dry as hell over there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we still got time, though. You, you could see... You could see... All right, Rain we'll in a week. And right, we'll then, see what you yeah. say. We see what you say next Monday or Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday will be, will be, we'll have more guidance because. But you'll see it in the crop prices before then. True. Yeah, you'll yeah. S- you can tell what's coming basically on who's hedging what. Yeah, I might have to go along some corn. Here. I haven't done that in well, so long. Well, just you know, just a few calls and if it pops, just a few, yeah. yeah. What do you mean? Got a hunch? Bet a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not long the underlying, you know, yeah. farmers are farmers are long the, under- the underlying. Yeah. Their puts are paying off big time now. SP futures up one, NASDAQ futures down 21. Be right back. Uh, mortgage Nancy, be right back. John, you want to hang around? Greg, we'll talk to you later, but yes, uh, be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Lord Rope Stacks and Jacks, I'm Tom out. Greg Byrne on the board. No, we got Matt Byrne on the board. We had Greg Pappas <laughs> was in here. We know he's. We now we have Nancy and we have Janet Flanning. SP Futures up a buck and a half. Nasdaq Futures down 18. Uh, so we look as of today, we're, we're having a pause with a huge three-day rally. We'll see if that continues. Dow up four individual stocks. We got Chevron Texco up two bucks, which because oil prices are sneaking up here this morning. We've got Apple up a buck 58. We got Amgen up a dollar, but nothing. Nothing kind of crazed here. We've got uh, everybody's favorite. Nvidia's down almost five bucks, 467. Uh, so back back under 400 hours on that one. Well, see, that seems to be the what's controlling the market the last couple of weeks. We'll see if the market turns down because of that. I sort of doubt it. We're in Europe. Dax up 27.1 percent. FTSE up 38. These guys were up a hell of a lot more last time I did this. What, weren't they, Matt? They were up a bunch. Yeah. Kick around down 8.1 uh, percent. Asia big rallies over here. Uh, Nikkei up 6.93, a uh, three-decade high in the Nikkei. Uh, Hang Seng up 158.8%, back up over 19,000, 19,108. So they were at their uh, yearly low, and now they bounced back off that. Shanghai up two bucks, we'll call that one flat. So uh, up, but kind of mixed in, in intensity over there. Friday, though, whoopee, Dow was up 701, S&P futures up 61, Nasdaq up 139, big day on Friday. Bonds uh, up five basis points, 3.74. Uh, the bund up seven basis points, 2.38. Their spread there is only a buck thirty now, which is kind of you know I won't say they're going to catch up. They probably won't, but they're moving that direction. Mm. Uh, Japan up two basis points, a point four four. Oil uh, up one eighty five. That's why we have Chevron Texaco up seventy three fifty nine. Is the OPEC meeting like, didn't come up with any mandatory stuff, but uh, Saudi Arabia pledges voluntary production cuts. And eh, I don't know if I buy that. Run up a buck eighty-two, seventy-seven ninety-five. Natural gas up nine cents, two twenty-six. Can you be uh, anybody b- believe these guys since nineteen seventy-three? I don't know about that. Gold down thirteen fifty, nineteen fifty-six. A nice rally on Thursday. We're not giving some of that back. Silver down thirty cents, twenty-three forty-three. As they continue this very crazy moves between say twenty-three and twenty-four and a half, violently within a range. Copper up one cent, three seventy-four. We got Bitcoin down 487 now, 26,731. So that's almost a 2% move. And we got the US dollar uh, getting stronger here, which you might expect with gold down. The euro's down to 1067, which uh, 
uh, under 107, which it hasn't been in a while. And the British pound is down to 123.7. So the Dower's stronger today. Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Good Curren- sports. Oh, definitely. Uh, good morning, everyone. Currently 7.37 a.m. on June 5th, 2023. Uh, traffic is an accident inbound on the Stevenson. The accident occurred around California Avenue and exit 289. Traffic currently stop and go with delays up to 30 minutes into the city. As far as weather, this morning in Chicago, 60 degrees currently. A little bit of a chill in the air this morning. We're hitting a high of 80 degrees today at just around the 3 o'clock hour. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, clear skies, 78 degrees currently, a high of 104 degrees later on. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs won their game against the Padres, 7-1. White Sox beat Tigers, 6-2. And Diamondbacks won against Braves, 8-5. NBA Finals Game 2 last night. Miami Heat played Denver Nuggets. Miami beat Denver 111-108. Game 3 set for Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. So for now, Chief, back to you. Um, Matt, there was a Sox game. Uh, we have Nancy? Yes, we do. Hi, Nancy. As, hey. a, as a Sox okay. fan, we had a walk-off Grand Slam home run in the game yesterday. Wow. In all of baseball, all of baseball history, there has only been one where there's three guys on base where the team was down by three runs. There's only been one grand slam inside the park walk-off home run. Can you name when and who? And what's in what park? Mm. I'm going to say this is a tough one. Definitely, definitely. Although my nephew came close yesterday. He said he thought it would be in the polo grounds, which had this huge kind of weird center field, which went out to like 500 feet, where the ball would just keep going out there. But it was close. It was in Forbes Field, 1956. I'll bet, John, you can uh, name the young ball player who did it. Oh. <laughs> it's not a World Series, right? No, just a regular old game. Huh. A young ball player, 1956, Forbes Field, Pittsburgh Pirates. Roberto Clemente. Oh, ah, Clemente. really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. 56. Wow. Yeah, he, he was a rookie. I think he came either came up in 56 or 50, 55. I think he was a rookie. But uh, that that field, they moved to Three Rivers Stadium. After the field was so huge that when you watch the game in, uh, in on TV in the in a night game, they almost couldn't film it because the outside was so dark or the outfield was so dark. It was I mean, nothing like today's ballparks. I mean, the infield was fairly bright, but the. Ugh. If you're an outfielder, you could you could lose one. There was like playing so many softball diamonds in the city. Yeah, the, the dark ball, ages over there. Yeah. Where the ball goes up, and you're like, I know it's coming down someplace. <laughs> <laughs> so Nance, what's going on in the uh, the mortgage world? They they said that there was a demand would drop it again because the rates are going back up. Uh, what do you, what are you seeing? Is it uh, we'll you know talk a little bit about the, uh, the you know I'll say the housing market, and then we'll say you know what do you. What are people going to have to pay to buy one of these buildings downtown? But what's going on in the housing market? The housing market is starting to come back, I think, a little bit. Um, you're starting to see more, you know, more sales. But there's not any great improvement that would, like we have seen in the past couple of years. There's no movement like that at all. Uh, so it's just gonna, I think it's just going to be dead for the next couple of years. John, what are you thinking? I think... You know, I, I see that same phenomenon. Are, are you seeing prices freezing up, Nancy? Or prices are? Um, I mean, home prices. I think are freezing up. I think people. It, it, the problem is people don't want to leave their three percent mortgage for 
you know, six or seven percent because it's even if they swap equally. Well, when you say don't want to, don't want to or, or unable to or both? Both. How many? Uh, both. Everything has gone up so much. People are, everyone is, is talking about the price of groceries, the price of food, the price of going out to eat. I mean, just all of it. So they're just not interested in selling and moving and taking on more debt, you know, more dollar debt. They could have the same exact mortgage amount and it's going to cost them more now. Um, if you had to guess, Nancy, if you went back, where are we, 2023, the years that you were, well, you've been busy a lot of years, but... I've been doing it for 23 years, this particular thing. But if you, if you say uh, the, the 3% era was what, 2017 to 2021, say? Maybe 2022? Yeah. What percentage of those people um, would have qualified for their house at six and a half versus three? Oh, you mean qualifying? I mean, if you had to go back, I mean, uh, how many of those people? It makes a huge difference. I mean, it's it's a huge, your point is there's a huge difference between a six and a half qualification and a 3%. And it is huge. In it's order almost, it's to almost double, right? Qualify, yeah. Well, no, but in order to get people qualified now, I have to actually look at the credit card debt and start paying off credit, saying, don't put as much down, let's pay off this credit card debt. Okay. Well, what Which is, we didn't have to do before. Well, if you had a 30-year, I know I know it's not double, but if you have a, a 30-year mortgage in one, at verse 3 versus 6, it's got to be close to double. It's got to be 80% higher, 75% higher. I say at least sixty percent higher. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's higher. It's higher. There's no doubt about it. It's two, three hundred dollars more. Because you're not, you know, you're not paying oh, a whole hell of a lot off per month for a thirty year. In your first right. month, what do you take off the principal? Two bucks. Not much. Yeah. Not much. Not much. Not much. So I tell people always to make an extra principal and interest payment per year, and it takes if they do it faithfully every month, or let's just say once a year, every year in January. Um, they cut it by seven years, roughly. Yeah, another couple hundred a month really drains it down, doesn't it? If you do it just yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Oh. Even 150 would drain it down to 200, to a 20. Yeah, that's uh, it would just keep consistently doing it. Well, that's why I mean, I, people say that they, uh, you know, um, you know, they want to get a 10 year versus 30. I always thought you're better off getting a 30 and just paying it sooner. That, I'm sorry. What, I said you're better off you getting a 30 year and just send them another couple hundred bucks a month. That way you have the choice to play it off sooner if you want to, right? You always can do it that way. Correct. Correct. You do. You do. But you don't, like, I know someone that specifically wanted a 12 year because that was what they could afford. And now both parties are going to lose their, it's a married couple and both of them are going to lose their job. Uh, and unfortunately, they don't have the choice of going down, which they would have had they taken the other scenario. Yours, this, what you're talking about is just a safety net. You know, take the 30 and then pay it and do the same thing. Yeah. But, and don't lock yourself in. Nancy, are you noticing that properties are staying on the market longer before they close now? Um, or are they that... staying in before they sell or close? Before they sell. Are, are they... Well, is... they, um, I have seen if it's priced right, everybody in its turnkey, everybody just jumps in and it goes. This is, you know, it's the same. If it's really needs all this, you know, if it's not what the people really want, if there's a lot of rehabbing, a lot of, 
you know, um, dated items, that's not going to work. It's going to stay on for a very long time. Because people don't have the money to fix it up, John. That's the problem. Yep, yep. Well, Nancy, is there yeah. much of it? Is there kind of, if you want to split that answer in half, I was talking to my niece yesterday that looked at a house and uh, went over in Beverly and said it was it was very, very dated, but everything worked. You know, so you could, if you're a younger couple, you could move in, even though you had the pink tile in the bathroom, the bathroom worked fine. So you, you could fix the bathroom. Too. I mean, it's different than having stuff not work, right? Correct, but you got to remember the... The pink tile means a total gut job, and then what does that cost? And um, do you want to live through that? And that—that's what I'm hearing. Right. You know, some people truly do not care; they're just happy to get in and get stabilized. Well, if I got it for the right price, I, I'd rather a year from now just do the bathroom myself. I mean, that would be me. But uh, correct. But most people can't do; aren't talented enough to do that. Or they don't want the dust and whatever. But uh, yeah, it's. But I mean, it's, it's, there's a difference between. Um, you know, a, a kitchen you don't like and one that doesn't work. I guess is what I'm saying. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Like I've gone in people's kitchens, like where the refrigerator didn't fit, and someone just took a, a saw and just cut the ha- cabinet straight right down. <laughs> and now the now the kitchen fits. Now it fits. Well, there you go. Now, now, now it fits. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. I mean, I just sit, sit there and look at it like, oh, my God, right? Being a woman, I'm like, oh, my God. And other the, the sellers were just like, what? You know? <laughs> let's, and let's... I'm thinking people are going to object, and they're like, well, well. Let's see. You know, uh, like let's... a quarter of a cabinet left, maybe, you know. It's just hanging there open. I mean, those, and they uh... don't have to take the door off, and it just looks like open shelves. Those blue right. jeans are too tight. Let's just split it, put a safety pin there, and wear the same color underwear. Same thing. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's what, and and those are the types of things where people say, okay, you know, and you could give it away, and they're like, well, well how still how am I going to get the money to get it fixed? So, I well, you're talking know. about. I guess what you're saying, we're not saying it yet. So I'll ask the question. Um, a lot of people are right on the edge of the mortgage. There's mortgage. There's not another. There's not another fifty there to do the the, the kitchen and two bathrooms. Correct. Fifty There's is just one bathroom. Well, yeah, fifty and, is one bathroom. Is, <laughs> they, you know, that's part of their um, New Zealand travel fund or whatever else they've got going on. Um, so I mean, the priorities aren't always in the in the direction that like you know I grew up with. It's just different now. Um, New Zealand's off my my bucket list because they do they, they want you to weigh yourself before you get on a plane. No, I don't know. But yesterday I heard that one about the New Zealand fund, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, so they they claim it's not it's not so they can charge you more if you're a fat. So they claim it's so the pilot knows where the fat people are sitting, so he can balance the plane better. Really, a seven a triple seven? They need to know where I'm sitting to figure out he's gonna fly the thing. I hope it's I hope it's not that that's uh, tender, shall we say, flying one of those things. God. <laughs> It is on it is on small aircraft because I've been asked to sit in the jump seats. Really? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. What kind of small aircraft were you on? Was um, on your I was pers- on like a ten, eight, ten, twelve seaters. So you were and on your personal. You have to balance the plane with the with the stewardess, so this you know sit in the jump seat. Really? So you, this was yes. your own personal Learjet? This thing? No, it wasn't my personal Learjet. I bought a ticket. And then the hilarious part was, on one of the trips, it was really, really, really bumpy. Oh, God. And um, 
I was in the, the seat and the guy said, I'm going to blow chow. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> and then he did it. And I knew what blow chow means after that. I never have to say excuse did me they, Do they have the little bags or no? No, it came all over me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just, oh. that's just swell. I had no God. idea. I had no idea what I was getting into. And then after the that, I started, yeah. yeah, and then after that, I... Um, Started saying I would prefer not doing that, but then the pilot came out and explained we really have to balance the plane. Ah, God. Southwest has had me do it, and then one time I got off the plane and my back was so stiff and I just couldn't really walk anymore. My doctor said, "Stop sitting backwards on the plane." Really? It's not good for your back. Yeah, he said it's not good for your back. What about the Rock Island? I got the seats come back. I don't think it makes a difference on the train. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a clue. All right, so Nance, what, what are you uh, maneuvering at all into? Is there a, a massive break between any commercial and any residential, or do you do some commercial? I know you. I don't think you do a big building down here in Chicago, but uh, no, I don't. I don't do any commercial at all. Uh, that's a separate. That's usually what the bank loan officers do. Okay, what? Uh, so my question is to you and Jen, what what would it take for somebody to actually pick up one of these buildings down here? I mean, what, what would they would the price? I mean, who would, who would give that mortgage? Private portfolios. Okay, so most of it's private portfolios now. I would. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet you know the lenders that have taken over some of these properties will will let you take the, the property from them because they want to get out ASAP. They're just hemorrhaging money by holding on to this asset. So you, you might be able to work out a deal with them or they might even supply financing just to take it off of their books as an asset. They're trying to maintain it and pay insurance on it and taxes and everything. Right, um, they might make you an own-to-buy deal, I would think, just yeah. to get rid of it. Right, but other than that, I don't know if any other lender who's been burned already by this is interested in you know, turning it around because they don't know if the prices have bottomed out yet or not. And I don't, I don't think anybody knows that. And they're well, likely to get lower before they get higher. Well, these buildings have been built, let's just say, within the last, I don't know, I'll use the term, 25 years. Like a place like 440, which, you know, Greg's familiar with, and uh, which is now 425, by the way. I don't know, they changed the address. It was just sort of weird. But it was it's 440, right? So these people build it. Everything's going great here in the exchange floors and everything, and they're, they're, they're full up pretty much right out of the gate. It, you know, at the time, 30 bucks a foot or whatever that was. A lot of it was. Anyway, they were high-end place. And all of a sudden, you know, changes start winding down, so they're, you know, 20% vacant, 30%. Then they, they sell it off to another person, at like less than the first time. Then it's like the third person. In, in most of these new builds, is it, do they usually, is it the second or third person that, that actually makes them making money on the place? Or do the people ever, even the, what the what's the White Castle building here, Jan, with the, looked like the White Castle on top of the place? Those guys, uh, our buddy Doc, not Dr. J, told me that, it was a big scandal there because uh, people gave everybody, uh, like law firms and everybody, leases where they didn't pay rent for the first like three years or something. And then they told the, what there's a difference between the, the building financing and then the, the guy who actually takes over the building, right? And, yeah. Uh, and they, but all the, they didn't get they didn't get any rent from anybody for like a year. So they went well, on. The, the 310 yeah. South Wacker with the big yeah. lighthouse up on top? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was a, that raised eyebrows at the time, I remember. Um, because that building, I mean, to, to get tenants in there, and there were a couple of, you know, high-profile law firms and stuff that were already signed up. They got such a deal, you know, like a signing bonus to enter into a lease, they didn't pay anything. So the building was, you know, was on pretty shaky ground, and there's a lot of stuff that went 
you know, incomplete for a long time, just at the finishing part, the landscaping, the interior, you know, the, the winter garden and all the stuff they had in that building didn't get finished on schedule because there, there wasn't enough money coming in on rent. But even uh, places like a small strip mall and stuff, Nancy, that's still going to be commercial and not something, uh, you know, it wouldn't be residential, but it's not, it's not of the size of which people cross over from one to the other. You, you wouldn't do anything like that or can't. I would not do anything like that, no. But there are, I mean, there are commercial people who also don't go to a bank and have to meet certain parameters, but you're always going to get your best rate, I believe, at the bank. Okay, so that's what a lot of the local banks still do is finance stuff like that, right? Correct, correct. That's what their commercial lending department is about, and that's where they make their money because... They're never. They're. You're not going to get a fixed rate for a long period of time. You're going to get a fixed rate for a year. the The longest they would give a commercial loan for is maybe five. So they they're essentially adjustable, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Well, well, they're balloons. Okay. They're not adjustable. Oh, they are balloons. They're All balloons. Right. Are you seeing if a lot of that on the re- on the residential side? Are people wanting adjustable, thinking these rates are going to go back down? No. Really. No, I'm not seeing adjustables at all. There's there's very little difference between them, and no one's looking at them. You know, when we get up, if we ever, could ever get back up to 21%, you're going to see that. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, the prices, I think the price would be a hair lower if the rates were 21%. What do you think? Yeah. Just a, just a hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly like what you're saying, then the housing prices would just, you know, bottom. I can't believe the... The price of the homes are keep going up. That's what I'm not getting at all. Well, when I talk to the, my, my two mavens on the subject, you and Audrey, um, Audrey does more of the selling side, then you make sure they get in there because you get the mortgages for them. But uh, it seems like, I mean, she still keeps talking about a lot of her clients are either uh, people that are selling one place and then buying another, so the prices don't really affect them. They're just essentially doing the trade. Or it's younger couples that... Um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, don't have a whole bunch of student loan debt or whatever. They're, you know, <clears throat> the guy might be whatever. He might be a policeman, fireman, and the, and the wife's a nurse, or the other way around these days. And they, they actually have saved up money, so they actually have a down payment. Uh, don't have, you know, a gazillion dollars in student loan or credit cards and stuff. So it's, it's sort of like a, in her mind, without her actually saying it, it's something like a small percentage of the population that is able to pick up the small percentage of houses that are actually on the market. It, it it seems a little artificial to me. I don't want to tell her that, but it seems a little artificial that if it ever got you know, a bigger situation where all of a sudden people had to move and stuff, I don't know if there's a lot of buyers at these prices, Nance, at these mortgage rates. Do you? I mean, am I wrong here or not? I, I don't know if anyone can predict you know, what's going to happen right now. Everybody refinanced, got their money out, and they're at low rates. I don't think people, the demand for money right now is really here. People are living, you know, anyone who's short is using their credit cards. Yeah. So um, until people get, you know, the average credit card debt now, when I, when I run someone, is probably like, I mean, real credit card debt where they owe it, not with, you know, not what they could charge. It is probably over t- between twenty and thirty thousand um, dollars. Credit card. Wait a second. Is that like current debt or is that limit? 
I'm just, no, that's current debt. Ouch. That's what I'm saying. It's not their limit. Credit so, card, credit card so debt. So, what kind of a limit do you have to have in order to put twenty thousand on credit cards? Twenty thousand. Oh no, a hundred percent. Well, I mean, well, they have. I mean, people could whatever they're. I'm just saying they have enough credit. They have. They could have. That could be four credit cards of five thousand a piece, or it could be you know two credit cards of ten thousand a piece. It's not unusual to see people have eight, at least five to eight thousand dollars on a one credit card. Credit card and debt, you're buying guys. Houses. Trillion yeah. three two nine is total credit card debt per holder is seven thousand seven forty eight. Nancy, you're very close on your estimate. Yeah, that's and per that holder. You could buy a, right now. You no. buy a house for that if you get the low the low down payment. Whoa. Yeah, I, I'm just saying you you just. Not anymore. It, people do not realize how much is in on the credit cards. And once they run up all their credit cards, then they will look at, at trying to do something with their house to cut costs. You know, not to cut costs, but just to have more cash. People are not looking at it uh, where, you know, I make this much and this much goes to this, and this much to go over here. They're just looking at cash flow. Can I make these payments? And as the credit cards, incre- you know, start up, you know, I think isn't that four grand a year in interest payments? It might be like three hundred dollars a month payment, and people just say, "Well, that's just a payment." It's uh, not a big that's deal. That's impossible. Student loan debt is a trillion eight per student. That's forty thousand. Credit card debt's a trillion three per holder. Is almost eight. The personal debt per citizen, which must include mortgages, right? Uh, Nancy, is seventy-four thousand. That's per citizen, though, not homeowner. But yes, the debt, I don't, the I debt's mean, massive. To me, this is just this this credit card debt is a it, when the credit card debt gets up, that's what's going to trigger falling over into the housing market because then they're going to want to use their house to take money out to either pay off these cards or fix up whatever they need. Sooner or later, they're going to need money and they can't turn to a credit card to get it. That's what I'm trying to say. I think. Well, it's it's spectacular, man. I don't I don't really uh, I don't hold any credit card debt. Thank you. But uh, <laughs> if you if you run something up one month, if I buy something, either for the house or for whatever. And you get a credit card debt for like eighteen hundred bucks. What's your minimum payment, Jan or Nancy? It's like twenty-five hours or thirty bucks. I mean, it's not much at all. It just covers the interest, right? No, but you'll be paying that then for ten, fifteen oh, years, you. probably. But I'm saying well, that's you- a, that's the problem. Once you have more than five, I have found like once you have credit card debt more of about five or eight grand, these people never get paid off. There's just a continual. Right. It's well, just like a monthly debt. They get so used to it. It's like a mosquito bite. You're going to get one in the summer. Twenty thousand in credit card debt—that's four grand a year in interest, isn't it? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. But they're not realizing that. All they're saying is, "I have to make this hundred and eighty-dollar payment a month. It's just a payment, and that's how it works. There's a payment for this, a payment for that. We well, should have gotten have out of your house in the first place. And they have place. money left over, and they say, "I can go." Yeah. There's not. They're the same. I read a. We got a dash here in a minute, but I read the same article about. Uh, the U.S. government and states and so forth. How do you expect a population that does the same thing to bitch at their government for for, for working on a credit card? I mean, every, it's 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 a national thing. It's not just the government, right? Right. And now you can make payments to the IRS. So now we have to figure that in. Yeah. Well, they don't charge much interest. <laughs> they're actually better well, to deal with. Well, now they're saying you can't get the. You got to be on a payment plan with the IRS uh, before we can do the mortgage and. You cannot have two, two or three years in a row of credit card uh, payments to the IRS for your taxes. Then the loan's not going to go through. So, 
every time I turn around, I'm looking at something even... I thought the credit card debt was amazing. And then I'm seeing this, and I'm like, holy cow, I can't believe this. Well, how, how do... Uh, these are, how do I can see how you can get a, a, an IRS debt if you are a 1099 person. If you're a regular salary person and they're taking the stuff out of your paycheck, how the hell do you how do you get a big IRS debt? It's mainly with people that are 1099. Or people put down they get six six deductions and they only have one or something. Right. Like yeah. I mean, who knows? No. Yeah, man. Okay, Ashton. Nance, give us a shameless plug. Oh. I do residential mortgages, and my number is 708-341-9601, and my name is Nancy Longram. And I'll give you a shameless plug. If you don't use Nancy, you're doing yourself a disservice, just saying. Mm. Now, uh, John, thank you very much, buddy. Uh, maybe I'll see you again yep. soon. It was so much fun the last time. Yeah. SP Futures up three, Nancy Futures down five. Maybe we're off to the races again here. We'll see. Uh, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.